you got to love our good friend Clark W. Griswold, right? Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you are here. The way that we respond to life's detours determines our destination. Let me say that again. The way that we respond to life's detours will determine our destination. It is great to have you here this morning. It's good to see familiar faces as well as lots of new faces. If you're new this morning, we are so glad that you are here. I know that uh, Sunday mornings can be tough and you're coming in and there's lots of people and uh, maybe you didn't get a chance to say hi to everybody before. So because I see some new people here this morning, take a minute, turn to the people around you, behind you, in front of you, to the side, introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm really glad you're here. Tell them that right now. Just get to know them a little bit. Tell them I'm glad you're here. Okay, I said just your name, not your whole life story, people. Kind of, a, kind of a chatty group this morning. The way that you respond to life's detours will determine your destination. And if you're joining us for the first time, I'm, I'm guessing that you're kind of wondering, what in the world are we doing starting with National Lampoon's Vacation? Well, I'm guessing if you're like me, most of us, we probably haven't sped through a detour or run through a life's detour sign like that. But along the way, every single one of us in our lives is traveling from here to there, right? From a point A to a point B. And along the way, you and I have probably experienced some detours. Maybe you can relate. This happened to my wife and I. Uh, Tiffany and I were driving up to uh, a wedding. We get to go to lots of weddings, which is quite the honor and quite the privilege. And we were driving up, it was a couple years ago, we were driving up to a wedding in, in Northwest Iowa. And we were driving up there, it was a long way, it was kind of off the beaten path a little bit, and so we were using our, our maps, our GPS app on our phone. Does anybody have one of those? Yeah, one of those. I don't know what we do. I was looking at my car the other day, and I looked down in the glove compartment, I saw some maps. When's the last time anybody pulled out a map in your car, right? Some people don't even know how to read maps anymore, right? It's, my phone tells me what to do, right? So we were using our phone, and it was off the beaten path, and, and we were getting up there, and we were getting close. We got about 20 minutes out from the town where we needed to go for the wedding, and all of a sudden, up ahead in the road, we see the dreaded, big, double-fenced orange sign that says, road closed, right? This one said, detour ahead, Right? the last thing you want to see. We were on time for the wedding. We would have gotten there like 20, 30 minutes ahead of time. It would have been great. But we see this detour. Okay, so fine. We're going to take it. And we start taking the detour, and it takes us left and then right and left and right. It's taking us in a big square. I don't know what it's doing, but we still have our phone app on. And we forget to shut it off because we're just so used to having it, you know, the little British lady in there talking to us. And so she starts to get a little sassy with us because <laughs> we're going off the road. And it just every five seconds, right, what is it saying? recalculating, rerouting, rerouting, right? And after a while, she gets a little sassy with us, and she says, you have no idea what you're doing. You must be, no, she didn't say that. But after a while, we're just like, shut that off, make it stop, right? It's so frustrating. We were so frustrated about this, and instead of getting to the wedding on time, we got to the wedding 20 minutes late. We had a change in the parking lot of the church, right? Anybody ever done that change in their car? Not in the parking lot, but in in our car, uh, and, and we slide in 20 minutes fashionably late to the wedding. And I just remember being so frustrated about that. And when we were in the middle of de- the detour, I remember thinking to myself, no, this is terrible timing. Why, why is this happening to us? This is so frustrating. It's like I was shocked that we encountered a detour. Like that should never happen. And I wonder if we approach the detours in our lives the same way. We've all experienced them, these road markers, these speed bumps in our lives. We know they're coming, so why don't we respond differently? Reminds me of uh, some words that were penned by a famous theologian named John. 
You might recognize him from a certain band. He wrote this, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Anybody resonate with that? Has that been your experience? So it's not just me. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Another way to think about it is kind of like this in a visual sense is that we, we know that in our lives, every single one of us is going from a point A to a point B. And that could be in, you know, the type of job you want. It could be in your, your desire for a significant other, in relationships, and your marriage, what you want your, your body to be like, or your health to be like, or where you want to live, your, your purpose, your calling in life, whatever that is. And most of us think that somehow, when we are born into this world, that somehow life is just supposed to be like this. And I'm supposed to get from A to B. But how many of you, has that been your experience with anything that you've tried to grow in and change in your life, right? I think if we're honest with ourselves and we were to kind of zoom out, if there was a roadmap of all of our lives, if we were to zoom out, I think most of us, instead, if this is your point A and this is your point B, you started out and everything was going pretty well, and then all of a sudden, you hit a detour, right? Whatever that X marks the spot is, and I think if we were honest, our roadmap in life would look a little bit more like that, and somehow, some way, we end up at B, but what you experience is a detour. Everybody say detour. detour. It's that big blue X in our lives, and I think if we're honest, we probably have quite a few. If you're like me, just when you thought you were on a detour, you hit another one. Life is full of detours, and I don't know about you, but if you've experienced that, well, you're not the only one. It shouldn't surprise us, though, because even as followers of Jesus, sometimes we think that we should be immune to this, but a quick read of the gospel shows that that's not the life that Jesus promised at all. He comes out pretty clearly, pretty directly here in John chapter 16. Let's read this together nice and loud on the screen. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Let's read it again. In this world, you will have trouble. Not if you encounter trouble or if you encounter detours, but when you encounter detours in your life. Maybe you're in the middle of a detour right now. Maybe you've been on one for 10 or 20 or 30, or maybe your whole life has been a detour. Maybe you're in the middle of one right now. Just to know that you're not alone, just in talking with many of you and knowing what's going on here in our community, just in the last three to four weeks, I've heard of, of these doers. I, I talked to a, a gentleman that's just five years from retirement. He's been at the same company for 30 years, most of his adult life, laid off last week without a notice. Talk to many of you that are on your fourth, fifth, sixth chance job interview, getting shot down time and time again. I've heard multiple stories of tension and, and difficulty, learning how to love and setting boundaries with grown children that have kind of moved back into the picture. Getting denied for employment again and again, a heartbreaking end to a dating relationship that you maybe thought was headed for marriage, and, and that's just the past few weeks. Folks, I know there's more detours going on in our community than that even. And don't get me wrong, sometimes we think that these moments, these detours are just big, bad, terrible things that have to happen to us. And there's some of you thinking there this morning like, oh, it's not really me, but they can be little things that get us a little bit off course. And you know, if you're headed this direction, you get a little bit off course and you keep going that way, you end up in a place you never wanted to be. It could just be an argument or a harsh word that was spoken by you or your spouse that's gotten you 
off course, but it could also be a positive thing too. It could be a, a, you maybe got laid off from that, but now you have a new job opportunity or a new relationship came into the picture. Maybe an opportunity to lead something or be a part of serving something here at church came up and you never would have expected it. You were going along and all of a sudden, somebody in your life at some point has called you out. There's been a moment where they've said, hey, have you ever thought about trying this or leading this or being a part of this? And now as you look back, you're like, man, I am so glad that God stuck that detour in my life. But to get there, you need some perspective. And as difficult and as frustrating as those moments in our lives can be, they don't leave us the same. And the good news is, you're in good company. As you look throughout that Bible that you hold in your hands or your Bible app or whatever you have this morning, you'll see that the Bible is a story of detours. Abraham, Moses, Joseph in the Old Testament, over and over. How about Joseph in the New Testament, right? Hey, Joseph, by the way, you're engaged to this woman named Mary, but she's pregnant, but you didn't do it. Actually, the Holy Spirit got her pregnant, and now you're going to be the father to God. Talk about a detour, right? How about the, the, the angel coming to Mary over and over and over again? If you've experienced detours, you're in good company. And the truth is, and the thing that we learn from all of these stories that can give us some perspective, God may not always cause your detour, but he always uses them to get us to our destination. Because if you think about it, most of life is not lived where you start or where you think you want to be. Most of life is lived in the in-between, isn't it? Most of life is lived in those unideal places where we never thought we would be in the midst of the detour. So maybe a better question for us to ask this morning, if you're sitting there thinking, ugh, why am I going through what I'm going through right now? Why is life so hard? Why did that happen to me 10 or 20 or 30 years ago? Maybe a better question for us to be asking is, how do we live in the midst of the detours? How do we live most effectively in the in-betweens of life? And if you're wanting to answer that question, I'm wanting to answer that too, and I can't think of anybody else to give us some wisdom and guidance on that than what I'll call the king of detours himself, and that is the Apostle Paul. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 28. Acts 28 is where we're going to be today. Everybody say Acts. We've been in the book of Acts uh, for the past couple months. We've been going through this series called the Summer of Acts uh, all summer. We've been learning about the beginnings to the early church. And I could have you turn to Acts chapter 29. I will give you bonus points this morning if anybody can find Acts 29 in your Bible. Just go with that one and we'll get back to that at the end of the sermon. But we're going to stick in Acts 28 for a while. You want to know why? Because there is no Acts 29, because you're it, right? I led you astray, because you're it. The book of Acts tells the story of the birth of the church and its growth, and there is no Acts 29 because I'm looking at it right now. The church has continued to grow over the last 2,000 years because of people like the Apostle Paul that embraced the detours of life. And so Paul is planting churches all over the, the, the region in, in, in uh, Asia Minor. He's going all over. He's planting these churches, one of the greatest missionaries of all time. But you know it wasn't always that way. If anybody had a certain direction in his life, it was Paul. Paul was here. He, everything was going well for him. He was a, a chief Pharisee, and he thought his life was on the up and up. He was following God. He was obeying all the rules, and that's where he got his validation from. We call that being a legalist. Following all the rules but having no substance in your heart. Doing everything right except the relationship. And that's what Paul was doing, and he was on the road to Damascus to go and murder Christians. And what happened? Boom, detour. God met him on the road, knocked him off his horse, knocked him on the ground, blinded him, 
major detour, and God does a complete 180 with his life, and he starts sharing the faith everywhere. And so Paul has been traveling all around. He gives him a new direction for his life, and it was actually after, hear me say this, it was after meeting Jesus that Paul's life got more dangerous, more risky, and more unpredictable. Wait a minute. Some of you are saying, wait, if I meet Jesus, my life should look more like this and less like a spaghetti mess, right? Paul would say, actually, I beg to differ. If you're following Jesus, if you're embracing, embracing his mission and his call on your life, there is a good possibility that your life will get less safe, less comfortable, and more unpredictable than it was before. For some of you, that's like, right? But that's why we go back to the stories after the detour, especially today. Pick up the story in verse 1. Luke's writing this as he's on his travels with Paul. It says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island that we had landed on was called Malta. So if we're going to get to know the story a little bit, we should probably get some context for what's going on. Why are they laying on the beach? And when I say they're laying on the beach, they're not in Cancun sipping pina coladas here, okay? Let's get some context, <coughs> excuse me, for the story. If you remember the last few chapters, Paul's been in prison. Paul is in chains. Has anybody seen the movie The Fugitive? This is like the biblical story of The Fugitive. These guys are in chains, they're prisoners, and they're being transported from one place to another. But Paul has been experiencing all sorts of detours in his life. His life is one giant detour. Get some context. I'm just going to read to you Paul describing his last several months, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is how Paul describes his life. If you think you've had a bad couple weeks, this is what Paul says. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. That's 39. 40 would kill somebody. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked, including today. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in dangers from Gentiles, and on top of it all, I lost my health insurance. No, I just added that in, right? Everything that Paul could experience, he has experienced. In other words, if, if Paul's life, since finding his purpose has been full of more detours than it was before. I don't want you to miss that. Paul's pain and his difficulties didn't mean that he was far from God or that he was doing something wrong. Instead, as he was in the middle of following God's purpose for his life, he experienced more pain and more detours. I don't think you're tracking with me here, okay? Sometimes we think... If things are going bad, God has somehow left me. God is not blessing me somehow, and I'm doing something wrong. Often, we mistake something that's hard in mission for just something that's uncomfortable. And the reason that a lot of people don't go all in for Jesus and all in with the mission of the church is because when they get, it gets a little bit uncomfortable, they think they're doing something wrong. Because it gets hard or it's difficult. Actually, Paul would say, that's just the opposite. If you ask Paul, in the midst of all those things I just read, he would say, in the midst of all those detours, I've never felt closer to God. And yet some of you, your way that you interpret your life and the setbacks that you've encountered, in those moments, oh man, God must have been so far away. He was probably never closer to you than when you experienced all those moments. I don't know what your detour is today. 
Maybe you're in a transition in your life between jobs or moving or you're treading water as you're learning to be first-time parents or you're preparing to be parents or you're adjusting from one to two to three little ones. Maybe you're on the same detour you've been the past 10 or 20 years looking for the one to be your companion. Maybe it was a marriage that started out so well and then if there was a picture of your marriage, it would be something more like that, full of twists and turns. Would you believe that God was closer to you in those moments than he's ever been? That he's never left you? And that just because you're not where you want to be today, God's not shocked by that? Do you know that? That God's not sitting up in heaven today going, oh my word, they lost their job. I didn't see that one coming, right? Oh my word, they don't know how they're going to pay next month's rent. Oh my word, I'm the God of the universe. I'm freaking out here, right? God says, I have every intention of following through on my mission and my purpose for your life right in the middle of your detour, whatever that is today. So why is Paul laying on the shore of an island called Malta? Let's go to the next slide. Look at this map with me. If you look way down here in the bottom right, you'll see where it says start, and that's Jerusalem. So it's kind of like a board game here, and we're going to take a little travel with Paul. And here he goes, and uh, scholars would call this Paul's third missionary journey, but he's traveling, and they're traveling by boat, okay? So this isn't like I'm going to hop on Southwest Airlines and make it there in a day, okay? This is many, many months of travel on a boat. And so they're traveling from Jerusalem. They go up. They go across the Mediterranean Sea, and they're stopping at all these places, and they are prisoners. So they're shoved in the bottom of a boat. So you can imagine the conditions there. They go all the way past the island of Crete, and you'll see right in the middle it says red, storm, shipwreck. And then there's a little island called Malta directly south from Sicily in the upper left, up there, right below Italy. They're on their way to Rome. They're supposed to be transported to Rome, where Paul's going to get shoved in a jail cell and write to the church in Rome a little book that you and I know as Romans. But before he gets there, the ship experiences a major storm. It's a wreck, and they get shipwrecked, and so they're basically just laying out to sea, and they just ride on the pieces of wood and land on the nearest island, which happens to be Malta. So Paul is on a ship for months that he doesn't want to rather not be on for crimes that he didn't commit in the middle of nowhere. And if that's you or I, if Paul had a GPS Google thing on his phone, it would say, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And if I was Paul, I would say, stop! Make the detour stop. I can't handle this anymore. If you or I is in that moment, we're thinking, why, God, over and over again? Why am I in this completely unideal place. What do you do when you find yourself in Malta? What do you do, what's your normal reaction when you find yourself in the middle of a detour in the place where you'd rather not be? Well, if you're like me, as I am honest with myself, and maybe as you're honest with your normal response to life, I think there's three common responses. There's three common coping mechanisms that you and I do when we experience these detours. If we're not grounded in our faith, Three sort of human fleshly responses that we have, and as we walk through these, you got to know, none of them are biblical, none of them are healthy, and none of them are honestly realistic, and yet they're realities that all of us live into. And I call them false narratives. Everybody say narrative. Narrative, narrative is another word for story. So they're the stories that we tell ourselves to make sense of what we're experiencing. You following me? They're the stories that we tell ourselves to try to make sense of what's going on. It's the stories 
that we cycle through in our head, whether they're true or not. So the first one is what I would call the victim. Everybody say victim. Maybe you've addressed your life and your detours in this way, or you maybe you know somebody that kind of lives like, like this. Man, the world is out to get me, and it feels like I got a giant target on my back. And some people just walk around their whole lives like that. And you think it's kind of goofy looking, but sometimes we do, right? Oh my word, I can't believe that that happened to me. How could this happen to me? This is terrible timing. Oh my word, it's just one thing after another. How could this happen to me? And the story that we're, that's kind of goofy and it tickles, so I'm going to take that off for a second. The story that we're telling ourselves is, I am the victim. Life is pointed at me, and the purpose of life is to make my life Miserable. And if you've ever played the victim, if you're 110% honest with yourself this morning, we've all done it, ask yourself, what story am I telling myself? Chances are it's one of two things. Either the world is out to get me, or God's out to get me. Possibly even more damaging. That God has a bone to pick with me. That somehow God is just focused on making my life miserable. And neither of those false narratives are true. But they're the stories we tell ourselves. Don't get me wrong. When you experience pain or difficulty in your life, every single one of us needs moments to share openly our pain and our frustration. But just from experience, if I could just take a quick detour from the sermon for a second, health and healing from difficulties in your life, that healing takes a place a lot better if you have two or three key trusted friends, mentors, accountability partners, men and women in your life that can encourage you and tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear, instead of posting it on Facebook to 2,000 people that you don't know, playing the victim. It's not going to fill your soul. Some people, this is their social media. Could you just loathe with me about life? And that's fine, and there's a place for that, and it's called the book of Psalms. Okay? David feels like a victim a lot. But where, what's different about the book of Psalms is that David makes the transition from playing the victim in life's detours to seeking healing, to finding refuge in God. Some of you that have taken the core class, you know we've talked about this. There's two different ways to live life. There's asking, why God constantly? Why did you do this to me? Why is this happening? And then some people make that transition to asking, what God? What are you trying to show me through this detour? What, what do you want to teach me through this? The transition from why to what? Everybody close your fists as tight as you can like that. Just clench them really tight. Just hold them like this, like you're shaking your fists at God. Just as tight as you can. Just squeeze them if you can. Squeeze them really tight. Okay, try to hold them like that for the rest of the sermon. I'm going to keep on going, okay? I'm gonna, no, I'm not going to do that, right? Some of us live our whole lives like this. Some of you, your heart is like that this morning towards God. And everybody just slowly release them. Isn't that so much better? This is why God. This is what God. And the difference is, when your hands are clenched and you're constantly playing the victim, and your hands aren't open, you can't receive. It's impossible to receive anything that God wants to offer you. So I'm not saying there's not those moments of questioning and doubting God. We all have those. The question is, does your why ever move to a what? Have you moved to that place in your life where you're asking, God, what were you trying to show me 10 years ago when that thing happened with my kids? 
God, what were you trying to show me through my divorce or through my parents' divorce or that abuse that I experienced as a child? Have you ever asked him what he was trying to do in and through you and show you in those times that he couldn't have otherwise? In the detours of your life, do you move from why to what? And that's exactly what Paul does. If you go back to the story, here he is. He's stranded on an island. He's in the middle of a detour. And instead of getting bitter at God, which Paul has every right to, after all, this is your mission, God. Anybody ever done that to God? You put me here. You put me in this job. You put me in this marriage. Instead, Paul says, here I am, God. What do you want to do through me? Check out the story. I love this story. Pick it up at verse 7 in chapter 28. So they're there. They're stranded. There was an entire estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home, and he showed us generous hospitality for three days. Get this. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. If you don't know what that is, you don't want it. Paul went in to see him. Get this. Paul's known for healing people. God puts him in a place where there's some people that need some healing. His father was sick in bed, suffering. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this has happened, get this. The rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Paul says, they honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to set sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. If Paul would have continued to play the victim and say, woe is me, here I am on the island of Malta, God must be out to get me, I'm going to sit here on the beach and sulk, he would have completely missed the opportunity that God put right in front of him in this giant detour on Malta. He would have never seen it. He would have completely missed what was right in front of him. And I want you to see something. In the midst of all these detours, of that all Paul setbacks and sufferings, God never gives him answers. In this whole amazing story, God never gave Paul a reason that he experienced the things that he did. God didn't give him a reason. God gave him a mission. And I firmly believe that if you feel like you're in the middle of a detour right now, I can't promise you that God's going to give you answers. I can promise you that he's going to continue to give you a mission. To not use it as an excuse for not continuing to walk and move forward. The problem is the victim mentality steals the joy that God has for you even in the middle of the detour. It steals the joy. Paul didn't get the answer, but I want you to hear something. Not having the answer had ceased to become a barrier for Paul to experience joy right now. And some of you are waiting for everything to be perfect and to get out of the detour before you feel like God can use you again or before you can experience joy. Paul says, right now, right in the middle of your detour. So if the victim mentality doesn't work, everybody say victim. If that mentality doesn't work, then we turn to the the next thing, and it's called the controller. Everybody say control. Anybody struggle with control? You're lying. Okay, those of you that weren't raising your hands, all of us love this. Does anybody love this? I love these things. I love the little Apple TV remote that we have. I feel like I can control the world. Even my two-year-old daughter has figured out that she can talk into the Apple. It has that voice recognition thing. So she'll say, Sesame Street, and it'll just pop up, and she'll go, this is amazing, right? We feel like we're in control when we have one of these in our hands. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a remote control for life, right? You ever have those amazing days, those amazing experiences? Pause. 
rewind, I think I'd like to live that day again, right? That amazing vacation, my wedding day, the day that my kids were born, whatever it is that you want to wait through. The problem is when we experience life's detours, we kind of wish we had a fast forward button for life, don't we? Never want to experience that again. God, I have no idea what you're doing. This, this is terrible. Can we just fast forward through this? And then it hits you. We can't control God. And so because we can't control God and because we're not God, we try to control everything else. And we say, God, why aren't you coming through? And, and then I hear good, well-intentioned Christians say things like this. Well, God, I've been, I've been hitting the right buttons. I've been praying every day, and I've been asking you for help, and I've been going to worship every single week, and I've been reading my Bible. I've even tried to be nice to people that I don't like very much. I've tried to do everything that you've asked me to be. The problem is that false narrative is this. God, I'll scratch you back, your back if you scratch mine. And then we realize, nope, God's not a vending machine. God's not Santa Claus and waiting around to see if you've been naughty or nice, and then he'll treat you accordingly, because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the rain, the problems of life, come on the righteous and the unrighteous. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. And this side of heaven, we may not have the answer to why that is. Instead, God says, stop kind to control me. And so, okay, I I can't control God, so I'm going to kind of try to control control the people around me and take it out on them or, or everything else. And so what we do is that we'll try to control our lives and control the pain and the frustration by stress or numbing the stress that we feel, and so we'll turn to something we can drink, something we can watch on TV, or those sites on the internet, or we run to food, and say, if I can just have that, that'll make me feel better, and we eat to try to numb the pain, and we try to control these things, or we run from that relationship to that relationship, and maybe if I can just control things, I won't have as many detours in my life. That's not what Jesus said. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And the problem is, God's not a vending machine, he's a relationship. And controlling life only leaves us empty. So if the victim mentality doesn't work, and the controlling mentality doesn't work, the only other response that we have is just to kind of hunker down and play it safe. It's like we're walking on a balance beam or something like this. So out of the prop room this morning comes out a world and Olympic two-scale balance beam. I'll have you know this is the exact same balance beam that Sean Johnson and Simone Biles won the Olympics on. I asked them to borrow it here this morning. And what we try to do is when we experience these detours in our life is if life is kind of like a balance beam and you're trying to go from point A to point B in your life, you start out life with a lot of innocence and joy and enthusiasm, and don't worry, I've practiced, and uh, been working on this all week, and, and, and uh, you, you get going in your life, and, and there's a lot of joy and excitement and innocence, and you get out there, and then you, you experience that first bully, and that little dagger of I'm not loved, and I'm not wanted and accepted, and you go along, and for some of you, things got a little shaky because maybe you experienced abuse when you were younger from your parents or a family member, or maybe a terrible experience at church in the past. And so things got a little shaky, but you're like, okay, I can still do this. I'm just not going to go as crazy here, and so I'm going to kind of hunker down a, a, a little bit. And then you, you meet somebody, and, and you think you fall in love, but then that person breaks your heart, and you're like, well, I'm not going to do that again. I'm, 
I'm, I'm never going to put myself out there and, and break through those, those, those uh, seasons of, of vulnerability and honesty in my relationships because things get a little shaky and I've never gone there and I've never opened up about those things. So I'm just going to play life a little bit safer and so I'm just going to kind of hunker down a little bit. And then maybe you do get married, but then you go through those seasons of challenges in your marriage and you're like, whoa, this is getting a little crazy. So I'm not going to do anything too wild. And, and oh, oh my word, God's calling me to lead something at church. I'm not going to ever step out of my comfort zone because if I, if I try something new in life, then I, I might fall off. And heaven knows, God, what is he going to do with me if I fall off? And so things get a little shaky. And oh my word, now we have two or three kids and, and we got to hunker down and be responsible adults. And so I had all these dreams and visions for my life and I was going to go to college and I was going to go to school and get this amazing job and pursue this career. But now we got to hunker down and be protective, serious, uh, productive adults. And so if I'm going to be productive and not take any risks, then I just really want to hunker down. And most Christians live their lives something like this. This is my routine. And someday our deepest prayer becomes, God, I just want to die in my sleep someday and then I'll go to heaven and this is going to be my amazing routine that I did and my dismount and I'll just kind of curl off and I'll wake up in the courtroom of heaven and stand before the judge and go, And that's your routine. Can you imagine if one of those world-class gymnasts did a routine like that? And they just clung to the bar for three minutes and rolled off the side and went like that to the judge? What is the judge supposed to write on the scorecard? Well, it was the safest routine I've ever seen. They really hunkered down for that one, and they didn't screw it up. Someday you're going to stand before the judge. And he's going to say, we want him to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But some of us are going to say, God, things got a little bit unstable there for a while. But I played it safe. I hunkered down. I had a really nice family and kids, and I, I, I wrapped them in bubble wrap, and we never went outside because the sun, you know, the rays could get us, and we, you know, we did everything, just kind of kept to ourselves, and I never took any risks or anything like that. And God says to us, that's actually not how I wanted you to live. I wanted to see your routine. I wanted to see you live the life that only you could have lived. And God says, you know what? I expected you to fall. I knew that there would be detours in your life because I could see this detour when you were all the way back here. God says, I knew it was coming and I was with you the entire time. God said, I didn't want you to play it safe. I wanted you to experience the thrill of living for not just coming and consuming a church service once in a week and doing nothing with it. Instead, I wanted you to trust me that I've been there the whole time time that I've got you. You see, when Paul was stranded in Malta, in that unideal circumstance, in that detour of his life, he has a decision to make. Safety or significance? Misery or a miracle? And you could look at Paul's entire life, and you could look at your entire life of detours and say, it's one misery after another, or as God meets you in the middle of those places and offers you his grace, you could say it's one miracle after another. Because often misery and miracles are happening at the same time. The best part of this whole story, Paul's right there in that moment, and things are getting shaky, 
And Paul's got two options. You know, you see the gymnast kind of, whoa. Paul's got a lot of those. Paul could have hunkered down, or you see the gymnast recover and continue on with their act. And Paul could have just grabbed onto the beam in that moment, but he didn't. And here's why. The best part of this whole story, the word Malta means refuge. In the middle of his detour, and in the middle of your detour, God says, I knew you were going to fall off. I knew you were going to mess up. I knew that that was going to happen to you. So let me be your refuge and your strength. God, I feel like I've let you down. God says, you were never holding me up. I'm the one that holds you up by my righteous right hand. And I feel like some of you just maybe need to hear this this morning. It's time to come out of the fog. It's time to stop using the excuses of the unideal. And God says, get back on the beam and let's see that routine that I created you to live. Let's start walking again. Come out of the fog and stop waiting for everything to perfectly line up before you can experience joy again. I know things aren't ideal for you right now. They're never going to be. So get back on the beam. Jesus says, I'm not promising to take all of your problems away. I'm not promising that it won't be dangerous. I'm, that there won't be detours. I'm promising you a peace in the middle of the storm that this world can't offer. Maybe you've seen this picture before. It's kind of a famous painting. I don't know who did it, but I love it. You see the little guy up there in the middle of this lifehouse surrounded by the storm. And I don't know about you, but when I see that, I cannot think of a better picture of the Christian life. Some of you think the picture of the Christian life is like sitting alone in a hammock in the woods, relaxing with no issues whatsoever. That's not reality. That's reality. Peace. Contentment. Trust. Right in the middle of the storm. Not no storm in the middle of it. Peace. That picture reminds me of a clip from a movie that I was talking to my wife about. I said, just a few years ago, she's like, you're getting old. This was a while ago. This is from a film called Dan in Real Life, one of my favorite movies of all time. Just a short, little, goofy film. But this is Steve Carell. He's on The Office. Some of you remember him from there. But this is a little bit serious, more of a serious role. Steve plays this middle-aged man called Dan. And Dan has experienced a series of detours in his life several years ago. Not too long before the movie was made, he experienced the death of his wife, and now he's left for the rest of his life to raise these three teenage girls all by himself. And so he's going to this family reunion, and he meets this lovely woman. He's looking for love again. He's looking for companionship. He meets this lovely woman. He hits it off with her. He goes to the family reunion, and then she shows up, and it turns out that she's dating his brother. It's like Jerry Springer show. one, one, One setback, one detour after another. And so he's experiencing all this, and so towards the end of the movie, he takes his youngest daughter and a couple of her other friends, their cousins, and they go, and every place that they go to is closed. It's like, you'll hear him say, life is one big, giant disappointment after another. And then they go to the lighthouse. Watch what happens, and listen. Because when you're out there, and the waves are crashing all around you and you can't see and you feel like you're sinking down deep. It's the light 
that keeps us on course. John 8, verse 12, Jesus makes this definitive statement. Let's read it together on the screen. Go, go ahead and go back. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whatever detour you find yourself in today, even if it seems so unideal, look to the lighthouse. Because as followers of Jesus, we have a light that shines in the darkness. And Jesus says to you this morning, whatever you're going through today, you've got to remember that I have already defeated the three things in this life, the three worst things that could ever happen to you. Your sin and the consequences of that. Your death and the power of hell. I've already defeated them, Jesus says. I've already overcome them. And if I can take care of your eternity, don't you think that I could handle Monday morning for you? Don't you think I can handle your, your, your body, your health, your marriage, your finances, your relationships, your future? And that's why in Romans 8, Paul shipwrecked Paul. Paul, in the middle of a deep, dismal, dark prison in Rome, writes in the book of Romans chapter 8, not in the comfort and safety and security of a country club, in the middle of a jail cell, Paul writes, what shall we say in response to life's detours? If God is for us, who can be against us? And Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, a conqueror. No, more than that, more than a conqueror. Not a victim, but a conqueror. Not a controller, but a conqueror. Not the safety team, a conqueror. And I want you to hear me straight this morning. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is the power of God thinking. This is the power of Jesus Christ that went to the cross and took the worst detour that anybody has ever taken, worse than any detour you ever take, and went to the cross and gave it all and went to the empty tomb and defeated sin, death, and the power of hell, taking that detour so you would never have to experience that again. And he offers us this peace and this joy right in the middle of whatever you're facing today. So take off the target and stop playing the victim. Put down the remote and stop trying to control it. And if you've fallen off the balance beam and things are a little shaky today, get back on and start walking. Come out of the fog and start doing the routine that you were called to do. And while you're in the middle of whatever Malta you're in the middle of, know that he's your refuge. And instead of just pounding and saying, God, why, why, why? Today, I want to invite you to say, God, what? What do you want to say to me today? What would you have me learn in the middle of this experience? And what do you want to change and transform in me? How you respond to life's detours will determine your destination. And whatever you do, start here today with the bread and the wine. Start with God's grace that we are desperate for him, that every single one of us needs him this morning. Let's stand as we prepare our hearts for communion.